I know that we're uh, in a series right now um, called uh, No Other Name, and Brother Dan was going to come and, and share a, a poem that he put together kind of for this, and I'll let him start off with that, and then we'll, we'll continue on. Good morning. I was talking to my boys this morning about what God looks like, and it's a tough question for me, let alone a seven-year-old, but we decided uh, that we glimpse him in a rainbow a rushing waterfall, and in the reflection that we are of him as his creation. So this morning, I just invite you for just a moment to close your eyes, and I like to take a, a really deep breath, and you can do the same, just to reset, and let's together envision our God in your mind's eye. I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was El Shaddai, God Almighty, enthroned on high. His words thundered forth from oceans deep, resounding high off the jagged mountain steep. I am the God of the wild realms. I am unbridled force that overwhelms. And I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was Jehovah Jireh, for he alone is the great provider. When Abraham lifted blade to the throat of his son, the Lord offered a ram, and the sacrifice was done. So too we all have fallen short, deserve separation, but God gave his son for our lives consecration. I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was Jehovah Rapha who heals, the God who overcomes all illness and ordeals. With expectant faith, the centurion declared trust where others would scoff, and Jesus healed his household with a word from far off. Yes, he takes our trouble and cares for our ails. He saved our souls with naught but a handful of nails. I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was Jehovah Nisi, God on high. The Lord is my banner rippling in the sky. An army of seraphs crest the battle-strewn plain, the trumpets blare, and the enemies turn in vain. A company of arrows notched, and the volley is cast. None may hide, for the rule of the Lord is vast. I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was Yahweh. I am who I am. Alpha, Omega, Prince of Peace, Blessed Lamb. You are name above all names, the one who saves, omniscient, all-powerful, conqueror of graves, yet somehow personal, reachable, lovingly kind, Father, Son, and Spirit perfectly aligned. I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was Abba. Father, my dad, 
my loving Lord, with smile beaming glad. He holds my shoulder and looks me in the eye. Loving affirmation, absolute, not even I can deny. Your visage pure, understanding on your face. Father, your spirit instills in me peace, hope, grace. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. He came to me and just said, hey, I think I've um, got a poem that's been kind of stirring in me, and I'd like to be able to share that, and I'm glad you did. <laughs> Very powerful. God is moving, amen. You know, there's a lot of things that, are, that have been going on and, and uh, God's putting together for, you know, for us as a, as a body, us individually, even working as one of the churches in our area, that God is moving and, and uh, you know, uh, we were here, I think this, this past Tuesday, I'm just talking just for a moment, but this past Tuesday we were here and just praying and seeking God because, you know, we want to we wanna do all that God has called us to do. We want to be working with Him. We want, we're hungry for Him and we want to be changed by Him. We want to encounter Him more. We want other people to encounter Him. And uh, Stacy, you know, had seen whenever we were just praying, um, and maybe I, I was seeing some things too, so I hope I don't get a mix-up from what you had said, but about, you know, almost like a child, you know, coming and to God and, and falling, you know, like, you know, as a child, whenever they, they go and they, they fall down, and, and we could get kind of, as, as the child, you can get frustrated because you can only walk a little before you fall and then walk and then fall but God sees such delight in it. He's saying, that's my child that's, that's moving. Even when we fail at times, even when we make mistakes at times, as we're moving towards him, he sees that as an accomplishment and success in him. Amen? So as we're all learning, man, we're at a new place in history we've never been to as a church before. Even individually, we're at places we've never been before. But God is leading us, and he's going before us, and he's coming around us, and he's not going to abandon us or leave us alone. Amen? So, Father, as we, as we get into this message this morning, Father, I, I thank you. I studied to show myself approved. Lord, I need your anointing. I need your graces and your mercy to deliver your word. Father, and I know that there's an anointing upon your word, and there's an anointing that you've placed upon my life, and there's an anointing that's upon every one of us just to be able to receive from you. And I pray, Lord God, that we would hear what you are saying today, that we would receive what we need Lord God, from you today, from your hand, Lord, that you would speak to us personally, Lord God, in your power and in your might, Lord God, because you know the things that we're each individually walking through and even as a church in the season that we're in, Lord God, and you're with us and we thank you for that. And I just ask your blessing upon every single one of us, Lord God, as we move forward with your spirit right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, last week we started a, a new series called uh, No Other Name, and uh, well, not last week, it was a week before, actually, it was on Easter, wasn't it? Last week, the Lord decided to come and show us uh, the name that we're going to be talking about today, which is uh, God is here, or God is there. And uh, I kind of wanted to bring in, because the theme this year of our church is generations, and kind of the main scripture that we use for that 
is found in Psalms 145.4, and it says this, generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and more and declare more of your glory. The more we know him, the more we can declare him from one generation to the next. And that don't just mean generations that are coming. That's generations that are around us. We all need each other. We all need to be encouraged. We need each other to, to work and to, and to walk in the things of the Lord. And kind of the main scripture for this series is Psalms 9:10, which says, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. And this is what we want. We want for all generations. We want for, I want for my kids. I'm sure you want for your kids. I want for my, my you know, family members, my parents. You know, uh, I want them to know who God is because when we know who he is, when we know his name, then we put our trust in him. And when we put our trust in him, things change because he is able. Are you with me? So in Hebrew culture, though, you know, names, were, they function more than just labels, um, they were revered of embodying the essence of the person or the thing which they pointed to. You know, I kind of, when I think about that, I think about um, uh, Jabez. You know, Jabez was a man, his name meant pain and trouble. You know, and he was known by others around him as one who would bring pain and bring trouble. And he cried out to God, and his prayer was, Lord, bless me. I don't want to be trouble. I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, be in, in suffering, Lord God. Help me. And that was his prayer. He wanted to change. And, and the Bible says that God changed and, and answered his prayer and, and, and brought those things to pass in his life. But a name embodies the essence of the thing or the person which it's pointed to. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, spoke to Timothy. This is thinking about generations and passing things on. But the Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy and he said, the things that you have heard at me teach, things that you have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. I love generational scriptures. I love scriptures that you see that show the full Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this generational anointing, this generational blessing that God wants to bring upon Paul speaking to Timothy, hey, you've seen me do these things. You heard these things. They were confirmed by reliable witnesses. Now do these yourself and pass them on to other people who will again pass them on to other people. And I don't know anything that we could pass on that has more significance than the knowledge that we have that God has revealed himself to us, that we can pass that revelation onto other people around us, whether it's our children, whether it's our brothers, our sisters, our acquaintances, whoever it would be. And today, I want to make you aware of God's wonderful name, Yahweh Shama. And Yahweh Shama really means the Lord is there or the Lord is present. It also can be translated as the Lord, my comfort. But before we get into really the Shama of him being there, we got to understand the word Yahweh. Now, in Scripture, it's by far most the most frequently used name of God, over 6,000 times in the Bible. And Yahweh is really, it's the personal name of God. I love that. It's his personal name. It derives from a Hebrew word that means to be. So Yahweh means I am, or the one who is, or the self existent one. And, you know, there's no specific tense 
given to this word Yahweh because he is. I am who I am. It actually went unpronounced for centuries because Israel had strict laws regarding its use. You know, taking that from Exodus where God says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. So the, the Israelites, you know, it's like, hey, it's almost unpronounceable. I mean, you know, in, in the Hebrew uh, alphabet, you know, or not the alphabet, but in the Hebrew, like, there is all consonants, you know, in the, in the old writings, there's no, there's no vowels. It's just all consonants. And, you know, really, Yahweh, if you want to say it, was Y-H-W-H. And it's really believed, you know, kind of things that they pass on. There are certain things like in, um, among the priests that were passed on verbally, that they passed on. And one of the things that they believed is like, uh, you know, obviously God breathed his breath into Adam and Adam became a living being. He breathed his breath into him. And even be able to, to, even be able to say God's name, they believed you could only do it with breath. Like, like not using things that were created like our tongues and our, our mouths, but more, they believed like the name really would be pronounced like, <sighs> just with breath. All God, almost in a sense that only God can truly speak his name. And they revered that name. So it went unpronounced for centuries. And they ended up coming up, you know, uh, you know we'll get to that in a second, but uh, there's the word Adonai, another name for God. Adonai, it means Lord. And whenever it has a, the Lord is a, you know, capital L and a lowercase O-R-D, it means, can be used for husband. It can be used for uh, master. Back in those days, you know, the women called their husbands master. They called him, you know, Lord. Uh, don't recommend that today, uh, uh, men. So don't try to get your woman to call you master or Lord. Uh, it'll go bad. <laughs> But that it was used. It was used for you know in reverence to you know a husband uh, or or to a master, one who was over there. But in scripture, you'll find, and maybe you've never seen it before. But now from this point forward, you'll begin to see it in scripture. You'll see that there's times that it's all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and that representation is meaning it of God. And, and they used the word Adonai because they felt like the word, you know, Yahweh was, or how to pronounce it, was so sacred that they couldn't say it. So they used the word Yahweh in reference to God. And they would use all caps when it came to speaking of his name, Yahweh. But the word Adonai really, it denotes God's sovereignty and authority, his rule, uh, his right to rule, his ability to provide, and his deserved loyalty. And it's significant because this is how the Jews pronounced his name. And then after time, they took the vows that were in the word Adonai and they you know, put it in the, in, in the place for the vows inside the Yahweh, the H-W-Y-W, to come up with what we know today as Jehovah or Jehovah. Amen? I'm just trying to give you a little background here as we, as we get into the name of God, because we're going to be speaking a lot about Yahweh. We're just talking about Shama today. But Jehovah, as Dan brought up, you know, several different names here, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, uh, and so forth. So they put these together, and it came out the pronouncement of what we know today as Yahweh or Jehovah. And Yahweh really is the Lord who is a personal God, and he's a sovereign God. 
This is where we can miss it sometimes because we see him, you know, some people can just look at him as, you know, he's in control of everything. But, you know, he's in control of everything, but he's also personal as well. He's not just up there just ruling and not want, wanting to be personal. He wants to be personal with us and know that he is in control and he's leading us. So when we get into the word Yahweh Shammah, we're looking at this name of God and the significance of the God who is there it really comes from uh, the book of, of Ezekiel. And the Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, um, it was really, I believe, you know, one of the last uh, verses uh, when he got this revelation from the Father. But in the first revelation that Ezekiel got in the book called Ezekiel in the Bible, he saw the Lord coming to bring judgment in his power and in his might, really in his sovereignty. And then in the end of his book, at the end of Ezekiel in the last chapter, 48, 35, um, he sees God coming in his sovereignty, but is God coming to be personally with his creation? And this is what it says in Ezekiel 48, 35. The city shall be 18,000 cubit round about, which is really just about six, six miles uh, round about. And the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there or Yahweh Shama. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the city is going to be called the Lord is there, but the point is that, that God is going to be there. He's going to be with his people. Even as he's with us right now by his spirit, there will come a time when God will come to the earth again, and he will be with us who believe in him through Jesus Christ our Lord, and he will be present with us. Are you with me? Jeremiah said this, talking about the Yahweh, the Shama, always being there. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah said this in, in Jeremiah 23, 23. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Am I just near and not far away? I'm, I'm both. I am here and I am there. And he goes on to say in verse number 24, can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? David had a revelation of this. He said, where can I go to get away from your spirit or away from your presence? Where can I go? I can't, I, there's nowhere I can run on earth to get away from your presence. There's nowhere. I, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the depths of Sheol, you're there. If I go to the furthest ends, you know, to the east, to the west, whatever it is, as far as I can go, God sees everything. And this is a revelation that we need to get as adults but even as young people, we need to know that God is always there. And I think this is one of those things, like in those names, that we want to be able to pass on to those around about us. Because when you feel all alone, it brings comfort to know that God is there. And even in times when you can't feel him in your, in your senses, you know, we, we sense him in our, 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 we can sense in our emotions, we can sense in our bodies at times, God's presence. But even if you don't sense him in that way, it doesn't change the fact that he is there and we can acknowledge him. And it's when we acknowledge him and we turn to him that he begins to reveal himself even more to us. Are you with me? This happened to me when I was uh, five years old. I've told this story a couple times here and there, but I, I don't remember, I call it kind of like being God conscious, you know, because I don't remember ever thinking about God up into this time, and, and I had, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but I had, had stolen something, and I got found out, and, and uh, my stepdad at the time, 
told me, you know, was telling me about heaven and hell and right and wrong and, and so forth. And, and he kind of led me into prayer, asked me if I wanted to ask Jesus into my life. And I said, yeah. And I don't even remember, you know, all that we said or anything. I just repeated something after him. But something happened on the inside of me because from that day forward, I realized that God was always there and that God always saw everything that I did. There wasn't nothing that I could do or any place I could go that I could get away from his eyes being able to see what I was doing. And at first, as I was learning to come to know that name, Jehovah Shammah or Yahweh Shammah, when I began to know that name, I really more saw him as one who sees and ready to judge, that I'm accountable. I didn't necessarily think that he was a tyrant up there, but I knew that with him seeing everything, that I would have to give an account. These are all the things that kind of happened to me at the age of five. And I can see through my life, no matter decisions that I make, choices that I made, even when I was by myself, even when I made wrong choices, I know that God was there. And I would, he would be the one I would have to go to and ask. Just like David said when he, he sinned with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And he killed Uriah, and he, and, he, and he had committed adultery with her. When it came to his senses, and he realized because he deceived himself, the Bible says that, that David said, against you, O God, and you alone have I sinned and done this grave thing in your eyes. He's seen it. Now, he's the first one that we needed to get right with. But as I began to, to understand more of him, not just being one who is watching, is seeing everything, not really just like a, necessarily like a judge, but as a companion. And it, it took time to grow and to know that God is not always, that he's there, that he not only sees everything that goes on, but he, he's also there and that he cares enough to help me in what's going on. I mean, there's been many times, we've all, got, we've all been frustrated and got frustrated over things, and usually when you get frustrated, it's really because you, you're coming to the end of yourself. You're coming to an area where you've never gone before, so you get frustrated, and usually, you know, when we are pressed to our limits, we find out what's really on the inside of us. Can you say amen? Because of what comes out of us. And I used to get so upset and so frustrated. Sometimes I still do, just to be honest with you. But I've been a lot better than I, than I was before. And it usually would come out in things that I just didn't know how to do. And uh, I remember uh, one time I was working on, on a, a vehicle and it just, I didn't know what to do. And I just learning, try to save money to fix something. So I'd, I had a bad part that went bad. So I brought, bought a brand new part and think that I could just take the old part off and put the new part on and we'd be all right. But there were some things that I didn't know, and I was just getting frustrated. I didn't know what to do, and then I would, you know, in our early years in our marriage, my wife would know, like, if I got frustrated working on something, just kind of stay away from me. I would throw tools and whatever, and I never, like, threw it towards her, but I would just get frustrated, and I'd, ah, and I would just, yeah, I can't do this. And not realizing that God was right there. Now he, he, I knew that he saw everything that I was doing, that I was throwing tools, you know, against the wall, but I wasn't utilizing the point that he was there and he wanted to help. And I learned through those times, using the car as an example, because I you know, try to save money, so I work on my car. 
And getting to that place, I remember the day under there that I was just frustrated because I couldn't get this, this bolt off. You know, if you're working on a car and it's under there and all the salt and whatever else, some things get pretty tight and maybe you don't have the tools, whatever. I'm there and I just can't get it. I'm starting to get frustrated. I get to that place where I just almost want to blow and I'm like, ah, and I just, you know, felt like as if God was giving me a choice, you know, do you want to go that way again or, or you want some help? And I said, God, you're here. Help me because I can't do this on my own. Something as simple as trying to get a stupid bolt off of a car. And I felt his peace come upon me. And I tried again, not in frustration now, but with him being there and helping me. And it took some time and, you know, getting it through, but I ended up getting that thing off. The point is this for the young people, old people, whoever we are, that God is there. He sees everything and he cares enough to be able to help us if we'll ask him. He wants us to ask, but we're not by ourselves. And in reality, isn't this what, what God has been trying to get us to understand by sending Jesus into the earth? Jesus said, they said, a child will be born to you. His name will be Emmanuel. What's that mean? God with us. And there's something as God showed me even recently to myself it's amazing how many times you have to get reminded of things, you know, maybe I'm just stupid. I don't know, I'm not stupid, but we can be hard-hearted or head-hearted, you know, at times too. And look, because the Lord showed me that many times, I'm here with you. And just through something recently, you know, him speaking to me, it's a lot of times that's what he says, I'm there with you, Jeff, I'm there. I was like, oh, okay. And he says, don't, don't forget, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm for you. I'm in you through faith in Jesus Christ. So you're not alone. Listen to what Jesus says. You can see this through the Gospels as well as other writings in the New Testament. I am with you always. I will never leave you as orphans. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So to really bring this point home of Jehovah or Yahweh Shammah being there and not just being there seeing, but being there seeing and caring that we will turn to him, I... You know, I couldn't think of any better story at this time than really um, Hagar, who was a slave of Sarai, and, you know, uh, ended up, you know, uh, Sarai ended up giving uh, Hagar to Abraham because they, you know, believing for the promise of God, and they kind of went their own way, and, and Sarah was seeing that she wasn't conceiving, even though God promised, so she said, hey... Um, why don't you just take my servant and uh, she can become your wife and, and God, maybe God will give me children through her. And Abraham said, sure, let's go. And uh, obviously Hagar, um, you know, became pregnant. And this is where I want to I pick up the scene uh, of, uh, of this story because Sarah really began to mistreat Hagar. When, when Hagar found out that she was pregnant, she began to think less of, or, you know, uh, her mistress, so to say, is what they say back then, uh, to Sarah, because she was a personal attendant to Sarah. And uh, she began to mistreat her. But look, what, look what, at the story here. This is in Genesis chapter 16. 
So she got mistreated, and Hagar ran away. And uh, it says this at verse number, uh, chapter 16, verse number 7. The angel of the Lord, you can see there, I did not change that. That is from Scripture, L-O-R-D, caps. This is Yahweh. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Isn't that God, what God asks us sometimes to find out where we are? Where'd you come from? Where are you going? You know, why, why are you here? And she said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Boy, sometimes we hear things that, you know, she's mistreating me. No, uh, Hagar, God already said to her when he approached her, he already knew that she was Sarah's servant. Hagar, Sarai's servant. What are you doing here? Why, where are you coming from? Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel said to her, you are pregnant and you will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord, all caps, has heard the cry of your distress. Therefore, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. We don't know what she referred to him up to that point. She was an Egyptian. Have no idea. Obviously, she heard about God. I'm sure Abraham was very vocal in his faith. In the Lord. We don't know what she called him before. It could have just been El, you know, Elohim. I don't know some of the names we could go back and see as God revealed to, to Abraham, but she referred to him, uh, to, to the Lord, and had spoken to her and said, You are El Roi, the God who sees me. He saw what she was going through, he told her some hard things. He didn't say it was going to be easy. I want you to go back to Sarah, and I want you to submit to her. And she did. I mean, this, it's another 14 years it's believed, you know, because she's pregnant right now and didn't say how, how far along she was pregnant, but God saw, he's like, hey, I see what you're going through. I see that you're pregnant. And I want you, I want you to know that I see that I hear and that I care. And this shows us the, this, the, that the personalness of God. I mean, she was an Egyptian outside, you know, of, of the Jewish culture, but God still cared for her to see things that she was walking through, that she was being mistreated by Sarai. And I'm sure God, you know, dealt with that. We don't necessarily see anywhere in that, but I've learned when other people, you know, have things that are, that are going on, if, if we get mistreated or whatever's happened, I can trust him that he'll take care of the other person, you know? Uh, I learned this in my, you know, first uh, month or two of marriage, <laughs> Whenever we had a, a disagreement, whatever's going on, I was like, Lord, you got to fix your, this girl. You got you know. And you know what God said to me? You got to work on this. And I learned my lesson right then. I don't go to God and say, God, fix this in my wife. I say, God, what can I, what, can, what do I need to change? How can I, how can I move? What do I need to do? Because he'll deal with me as a son. He'll deal with her as a daughter. And together uh, we'll be dealt with by the Lord. So some time has passed. It's been 12 to 14 years. And, and Hagar here, she's, she's given birth to Ishmael. 
Um, of course, we know that not now that that means that God hears. And Ishmael was now a teenager between 12 and 14. Um, Isaac is born. And it's really almost in a sense, if you want to say, kind of like at his christening, you know, on the eighth day when they circumcise him, they're there, they're throwing a big celebration. And Sarah saw Ishmael mocking Isaac. And Sarah went to Abraham and said, get rid of this servant girl and her child because she shall not have an inheritance with our son. And it grieved Abraham, just thinking, you know, as a father who had birthed this as his son too, it grieved him to do. But God said, listen to your wife, Sarah, and do as she said, because I will make him, Ishmael, a great nation too, because he's your seed. He's from you. So the Bible says in chapter 21, here's this verse number 14, Abraham got up early the next morning and prepared food in a container of water and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with her son, with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Bathsheba. I'm sure she's distraught. I mean, just she's been with them, I don't know how long, uh, bearing a son to Abraham now who's 12 to 14 years old, and he's like, here's food, here's water, there's the highway. You know, see you later. And she's out there. She don't know what to do. I mean, she was a servant. She, she always just did what she was told to do. I'm sure she did more than that. But here she is. She's on her own. It says she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about 100 yards away, about 300 feet away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. Can you only imagine? But God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Well, he hears him crying. He knows he's lying there, so he hears and he sees. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water, her water container, and gave the boy to drink. I think this comes down to that personal name, too, going into him being there, Yahweh Shammah. But his sovereignty, his, his personality, his, his, him being personal, but him being sovereign, he's taking care of things. And he asked her that, that one question, you know, he says, what's wrong? I mean, sometimes, you know, when God gives us a revelation of something, just because time goes by doesn't mean that that revelation is not still there. That she could have drew from the fact that she, you know, knew and saw El Roi, the God who sees me. That as he saw her before, he would see her even now, even though it's been 12 to 14 years. We don't have any other time talking about when she experienced God. We don't know. Scripture don't say anything about that. But here she is. What's wrong? Don't be afraid. God sees. I hear your boy. Man, she's concerned about her son. I don't want to see my son die. God saw her heart. He had concern for her heart and say, I see the boy crying right where he's laying. 
And sometimes in our distresses, things that we go through in life, we get blinded by the things that God's already providing right around us because he's there and he wants to help us. He cares enough to help us. And in this point, you know, before God opened, you know, really, you know, Hagar began to see God differently. And now in this instance, the, God is helping Hagar to really see, you know, him being there, helping her to see differently, not just him differently, but things differently. Because she didn't see that pool of water. Now, whether it was there before, we don't know. It could have been there, and she's just distressed. In her distress, she couldn't see. But God showed her. It, he said it, he opened her eyes, and she saw a well. And I think there's something about the well here. A well full of water. See, God just don't, it wasn't just a, a couple cups of water. It wasn't just enough to get you by. It was a well that was full of water that she could have stayed there, made camp for a while till she just figured out what she wanted to do or where she wanted to go or how she was going to get on from this point on. But God opened her eyes to see, and God wants us to know. He wants the generations around us to know, ourselves personally to know that he cares about you. He cares about me. He sees when we're going through things, whether it's in our relationships, in our health, in our finances, whether it's personal struggles that we're walking through that come from the inside, God sees, he knows, he cares. He's just not there and saying, I see it. He's there and says, I see it, I see your heart, I hear what you're going through, and I am here to help you. I'm here as a companion. Will you turn to me and let me help you? I love this scripture in in uh, Psalms 34, 18, it says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That word near actually means next. The Lord is next to the brokenhearted or he's a neighbor to the brokenhearted. You know, we take that into what Jesus taught about the neighbor. A neighbor, who is a neighbor? You know, you're, uh, it's one who needs help. We're being able to be there to help somebody. Another translation, it kind of sounds weird, or another definition of that word, it kind of sounds weird, is this. It's more ready. God stands more ready to help to the brokenhearted. He's, he's present. He's close to those who will cry out to him. And the beautiful thing about this is we don't have to be believers for God to help us. If we're crying out to him, someone cannot know God, maybe they've heard of him, and then they begin to call upon him, God, help me. God will be there and help them open their eyes and to see that he's not only a sovereign God that sees everything and we're accountable to, but he's a personal God who, who intimately cares for everything that we're walking through. And as I don't, I don't know who coined it, you probably heard the saying before, if, it's, if, it, if it matters to you, then it matters to God. If it's weighing down your heart, then God wants to help you so that that's not weighing you down. Amen? So he's there. He's near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed or oppressed or bruised in spirit. That word crushed literally means powder. You ever get to the place where you feel like you've been minced to powder? You just feel like you can't go on anymore, or, or liquid. I had a time in my life where I felt like, uh, I just felt like I was just kind of liquid and just melted, you know? I'm just like, uh, and, and just seeing God like trying to scoop me up, but I'm just kept falling through his hands because I was just liquid. But God, God can take us and, 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 and mold us and make us. You feel so crushed, you feel so broken, no matter what it is that we walk through, God wants us to know that he is Jehovah Shammah, 
that he is there, that he is present, that he's a companion ready to help. Amen. Will you stand up with me this morning?